the Slaughter in May podcast. Hello, my name is Richard Goldstein. I'm a consultant and head of pensions knowledge here at the pensions team at Slaughter in May. In this podcast, I'm going to cover climate risk and the Pension Schemes Act 2021. Detailed new requirements for trustees of larger occupational pension schemes to manage and disclose their approach to climate-related risks and opportunities will come into force in October 2021. The proposals are part of efforts by the government to encourage businesses, asset managers, financial institutions and others to deepen their engagement with climate-related issues. The new governance and disclosure requirements are in line with recommendations of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TCFD, adjusted to make them work for pension schemes. Whilst initially applying to large schemes, schemes of all sizes will need to consider their governance of climate-related risk in light of the proposals. The proposals were finalised by the Department of Work and Pensions in January 2021 in response to its consultation. And the response includes a further consultation, open till 10th of March 2021, on further sets of implementation regulations. I'm going to cover some of the key points arising from the DWP's proposals, on the assumptions that there are to be no further changes. Pension schemes and their sponsors are potentially exposed to two types of climate-related risks. First, physical risk, such as extreme weather events, changes in sea levels, and other gradual changes in climate. And second, transition risk, which are the risks associated with actions to tackle climate-related change, such as changes in government policy, technology, and consumer preferences. Climate risks are one part of a broad range of environmental, social, and governance, ESG, factors against which trustees of occupational pension schemes can assess their investments. It should be noted that the TCFD recommendations, and hence legislation underpinning the regime, refer to climate-related risks and opportunities. The TCFD recommendations suggest that climate-related opportunities may include access to new markets and technologies related to the transition to a low-carbon economy, a reduction in operational costs and exposure to price increases and reputational benefits. Although the government has signalled a wider policy aim in relation to ESG, the launch of its green finance strategy in 2009, for example, the Act does not go beyond climate-related risks and opportunities. However, there are already provisions on what a scheme's Statement of Investment Principles, or SIP, must disclose about financial and non-financial factors. The government's view is that under its proposals for a new governance and disclosure regime, trustees will move away from a relatively high-level disclosure prescribed in the SIP requirements to demonstrate how the considerations of climate-related risk is integrated into trustees' decision-making, thereby providing greater transparency to members and beneficiaries about how investments held by trustees on their behalf are being managed. It is not completely clear whether the government's primary motivation is to ensure that climate-related risk including in particular transition risk, is properly reflected in the market value of assets or goes further to the wider issue of investing in specific ESG assets such as impact bonds. Given the speed at which ESG has risen up the regulatory agenda, trustees may feel under pressure 
to consider wider ESG factors as part of their investment considerations. Further pressure may come from scheme sponsors or the perception of the importance this has for scheme members. However, this is a separate topic from climate-related risk and one in which trustees need to tread carefully because of the risk of challenged if it were to involve giving up some level of investment return. Turning now to the trustee obligations under the new regime. The legislation underpinning the new regime is set out in the Pension Schemes Act 2021 and regulations. The regulations require trustees of schemes that are in scope to have regard to statutory guidance, which sets out how they should meet the requirements and report in line with the TCFD recommendations. The draft statutory guidance recommends that trustees refer to another set of guidance for the DWP published at the same time. This non-mandatory guidance from the Pensions Climate Risk Industry Group, or PCRIG, which was an industry group set up by the DWP and the regulator to help trustees meet their legal responsibilities. Um, this non-mandatory guidance advises trustees of schemes of all types and sizes on how they can integrate climate-related issues into their existing governance processes. Trustees are required under regulations to carry out scenario analysis and obtain data to calculate their metrics as far as they are able. This recognises that there may be gaps in the data trustees are able to obtain about scheme assets for the purposes of carrying out scenario analysis or calculating metrics. Additionally, in the case of defined benefit schemes, there may be limitations in the analysis that they can carry out in relation to their liabilities or funding strategy, for example, the sponsor employer's covenant. As far as they are able is defined in the regulations to mean taking all steps as are reasonable and proportionate in the particular circumstances, taking into account the cost to the scheme and the time to be spent by the trustees or anyone acting on their behalf. The statutory guidance gives examples of how this will operate. If trustees are able to obtain data or analysis only at a disproportionate cost, this may make the decision to treat the data as unobtainable. A robust justification for doing so should be set out in the TCFD report. Trustees may need to use modelling or estimation, take a qualitative instead of a quantitative approach, or proceed with scenario analysis for part of their portfolio or for certain liabilities only. Trustees should explain in their TCFD report the extent to which they were able to obtain the data and other information needed to carry out the scenario analysis or metrics and explain any gaps. If trustees use third-party providers for scenario analysis, calculation of metrics or measuring performance against targets, trustees should make sure they are provided with sufficient information to be able to report on this. In most cases, trustees will not themselves be carrying out the underlying climate risk activities or implementing investment strategies. However, as trustees, they are ultimately responsible. Regulations require the trustees to establish processes to satisfy themselves that anyone to whom they delegate governance activities or their external advisors, other than legal advisors, take adequate steps to identify, assess and manage climate-related risks. In addition, the regulations require trustees to have an appropriate degree of knowledge and understanding of the principles relating to the identification, assessment and management of climate-related risk. 
The section of the guidance which covers trustee knowledge and understanding has no statutory force. Although encouraged to have regard to it, trustees are not required to do so and are not expected to provide an explanation in their TCFD report if they choose not to follow this section of the guidance. It explains an appropriate degree of knowledge and understanding means understanding how scenario analysis works, why climate change poses a material financial risk and its relevance to overall risk management, as well as being able to implement the results of analysis and challenge assumptions and external advice. Looking at scope and timing, the new regime will apply initially to larger occupational pension schemes, authorised master trust and collective DC schemes. Occupational pension schemes with 5 billion or more in net assets on the first scheme year with an end date on or after the 1st of March 2020, as well as all authorised master trusts and all collective DC schemes as at 1st of October 2021, will be required to do two things. One, have a system of climate governance in place on the 1st of October 2021, although the date can be later if no audited counts have been attained, and two, publish an annual TCFD report, the first report within seven months of the end of the scheme year underway on the 1st of October 2021. The following year, these requirements will be extended to schemes with assets of 1 billion or more, where schemes' net assets exceed 1 billion on the first scheme year to end on or after the 1st of March 2021, the government's requirements will apply from 1st of October 2022, subject to obtaining audited accounts, and the TCFD report will be due seven months after the end of that scheme year. Net assets means those attributed in the annual report and accounts less any external liabilities, i.e. other than liabilities to pay pension and benefits. Buy-in contracts are excluded from net assets. Schemes will remain in scope until their net assets fall below 500 million at scheme year-end. There will be an interim review in the second half of 2023 when the DWP will consider whether, in the light of the falling costs of climate change assessment, the requirements should be extended to smaller schemes from late 2024 or early 2025. As I mentioned earlier, the Pensions Climate Risk Industry Group has published non-mandatory guidance. There are full-length and summary quick start guide versions for each of the four parts. First part is on climate risk as a financial risk to pension schemes, trustees' legal requirements and the TCFD recommendations. The second part is trustee governance strategy and risk management, suggested approach for the integration and disclosure of climate-related risk within the governance and decision-making processes of pension trustee boards, including defining investment beliefs, setting investment strategy, manager selection and monitoring. This includes a top 10 questions for asset managers and suggestion that in the case of passively managed pool funds, trustees may wish to consider the use of alternative indices that are not based on market capitalization weighted indices. The third part is scenario analysis, technical details on recommended scenario analysis. In terms of best practice, PCRIG suggests that some schemes will choose to go beyond the minimum requirements set out in the regulations, although this may not be until their second year of TCFD reporting. 
Trustees may wish to increase the sophistication and granularity of their modelling, incorporating the latest thinking across the industry. And fourth, setting matrix and targets to measure climate-related risk. Where gaps in data do exist, it should be regarded as preferable for trustees to use modelling or estimation to fill them, rather than to leave them unaddressed. Beginning with estimated or proxy data can help identify carbon-intensive hotspots in lending and investment portfolios and serve as a benchmark for asset-specific data points as and when they become available. Turning to the TCFD report itself, the annual report will include information about how the trustees have implemented the governance measures and the reasons for any departure from statutory guidance. Trustees will have to do five things. Publish the TCFD report so it is accessible free of charge on a publicly available website. The Chair of Trustees must sign the report, although the signature is not published. Two, reference the TCFD report in the scheme's annual report. Three, tell members via their annual benefit statements, via the funding statements for DB members, that the TCFD report has been published and where they can locate it. Where the annual benefit statement is issued in advance of the TCFD report for that year, trustees should direct members to the most recently published report, or in the first year, the location where the report will be published in due course. Fourth, provide TPR with a web address where they have published their most recent report via the annual scheme return. Where trustees have not yet published their first report, they must inform TPR whether the period for doing so has ended. And fifth, provide TPR with a website address of their published SIP and where applicable implementation statement and publish excerpts of their chair statement via the annual scheme return form. This applies to all schemes required to publish, not just those in scope for the new regime. In this final section, I wanted to cover the impact of the new regime. Given the nature and likely materiality of the risks posed by climate change, there is a view expressed by the PCRIG that trustees' fiduciary duties require them to take into account financial impact of these risks alongside any other risks when setting investment strategy. Trustees' duties are not limited to traditional financial risks, such as interest rate, currency exchange rate or inflation risks. In the past, trustees might not have viewed climate-related risks as quantifiable financial risks. The DWP echoes this view in the response paper. Whilst noting the government made clear during debates in Parliament that the new regime will not and cannot be used to direct pension scheme investment, it sees stewardship of assets, including engagement with higher carbon firms and voting at AGMs, as entirely legitimate responses to climate risks revealed through disclosures. TPR's guidance on DB and DC investment advises trustees considering investment decisions or setting strategy to take into account all ESG and other factors that are financially material to the performance of an investment. On non-financial factors, meaning members' views on ESG and other matters, the guidance reiterates the view of the Law Commission from its 2017 report the trustees can take these factors into account if they have good reason to think that members share a particular view and their decision does not risk significant financial detriment to the fund. There is also evidence of increasing engagement by members with their schemes on climate-related risks. In the 2019 Australian case in McVeigh, 
a pension scheme member brought a legal action against the scheme, alleging that the climate change information initially provided to him by the scheme was insufficient to discharge the scheme's statutory duty to disclose information. The case eventually settled, with the pension scheme releasing a statement acknowledging climate-related risks to its portfolio and agreeing to climate risk management and disclosure measures and a long-term net-zero target for its portfolio. In the UK, a similar complaint was made to the pensions ombudsman as a maladministration claim. The ombudsman held that there was no breach of a positive disclosure duty, either under case law or legislation. On this issue, the DWP notes as follows. Whilst engaged members and civil society groups have an important role in facilitating scrutiny, these measures are not intended to give any support to campaign groups calling for blanket disinvestment from certain assets. If anything, the new regime may be helpful as a protection against these challenges. Whilst the requirements will apply initially to the largest of pension schemes, all pension schemes will need to consider the DWP proposals, not least because considering the financial risks and opportunities identified and ESG investment more generally forms part of the core investment duties. Trustees have to comply with these core investment duties independently of the statutory requirements under the new regime. For more information on this topic or to hear our other podcasts, please visit www.slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play.